she posted and uh, she's sitting right here on the front row. But this is what she posted. And then I'm going to say some things. Uh, here's what she said. She said, do you really want God to bless America? Or do you just want to sing about the nice thought of it hopefully happening? For God to bless America, America needs to change. Citizens of the United States need to get on their knees, repent and turn to God. They need to grab on to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to study the Bible and pray. They need to teach their children the Bible and how to pray. They need to go to church instead of sleeping, going to football games, and everything else under the sun. God needs to be first in our hearts. Abortion and gay marriage need to be against the law. Pornography and vulgarity should have no place in our homes. Holiness should be a way of life in the USA. God does not bless sin or sinful lives. And I'll just throw this in. She didn't write this, but I just feel impressed to throw this in. I really have a hard time with people singing God Bless America and turning around and listening to people sing about sex, drugs, getting high. Dear friends, those two don't go together. Did you hear me? She said, God does not bless sin or sinful lives. The United States is in a moral downward spiral. And then she says, will it change? Will it change? She said, God needs to be first in our hearts. And then she asked a question, will it change? For a change to occur, now that was her post. Now this is what I'm saying. For a change to occur in this nation... There must be a change of heart. God needs to be first in our hearts. The United States of America overall needs a change of heart. And there are some great, wonderful, good, fine people. Don't misunderstand me. But overall, this nation... Needs a change of heart. You know, God was all but kicked out of the public school system and the public square. So many years ago, he's been thrown out of most churches. Sad, isn't it? You can't kill as many babies as we do in this nation in abortion, quote unquote, legally, and expect the hand of God to rest in blessing on it. And you can't redefine 
marriage, God said it's between a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Not a man and a man. Not a woman and a woman. It just you, you just can't do those things and expect God to bless. You just you just can't. And so many times folks get mad at me for saying that, but I think we need some more preachers in this nation, nation saying that. We've got too many preachers throwing sugar cookies out to an already diabetic congregation. Did you hear what I just said? Too many preachers telling us everything is going to be just wonderful and fine when it's, when it's not. But it could be fine if there would be a preaching of repentance. How many knows what repentance is? Having a change of heart. Notice in Luke 6 verse 45. I want to talk about the heart today. I don't mean the blood, your blood pump. I'm talking about your... Your spirit person, the real you on the inside of your body. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. You live in that physical body. I want to talk about matters of the heart here today. Jesus said, our Lord and our Savior, he said this in Luke 6.45. He said, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, Brings forth evil. And then if you'll notice Matthew 15 and 19. Matthew 15 and 19. Jesus said this. He said for out of the heart. Out of where? Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders. See, what took place last week in Las Vegas came out of that man's heart. God didn't cause that man to do that. You understand that? That came out of his heart. Went back, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when man sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned. And the sin nature was... Was, was introduced into the human race. And that murder, all those murders came out of that man's heart. And we think, of course, about last Sunday, but how many of you know there's been a lot of mass shootings going on? And even going into little elementary schools and, you know, killing little kids. I mean, that's just unimaginable. All of it's unimaginable. Where does that come from? It comes out of the hearts of evil people. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, that fallen nature that all of us have when we're born. But thank God we can repent and receive Jesus and get a new nature. Isn't that wonderful? But notice, where does murder come from? It comes out of the hearts. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries. Where does adultery and fornication, where does that come from? It comes out of the heart. Thefts, lying, false witness, blasphemies. Where does all that come from? It comes out of the heart. And 
if you go back to the Garden of Eden, who was really behind the fall of man? Who was behind it? It was the devil himself, wasn't it? And you need to look at John 8.44, trying to make some sense of all of this, if you can make sense of it. All these evil things that are happening in the United States. John 8.44, the devil is behind it all. He was behind the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. And notice here, John 8.44, Jesus was speaking to a bunch of religious hypocrites here. When he said this, and he said, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. Now, look what Jesus says about the devil. He was a what? Murderer from the beginning. So where does murder come from? It comes from the devil, doesn't it? And then it further comes out of the hearts of evil people. Is that right? You say, why doesn't God just stop? These things, these evil things from happening. Why doesn't he just intervene? Well, you need to understand that God has given all of us the freedom of choice, free will. And uh, he will not violate your free will or my free will. He'll let you go to hell if that's what you want to do. But that's the dumbest thing anybody ever did. You don't have to go to hell. You can repent and receive Jesus and miss out on that. But God will not violate people's right to choose and, you know, freedom of choice. He's just opposite of the way the devil is. The devil wants to come in and run your life and control you. But God's not that way. Notice the devil verse. This is verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth that the devil doesn't because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So where does murder come from? It comes from the devil He's the originator of it. And then it further comes out of the heart of fallen men and women. And just so you you know, and a lot of people don't realize this. You know, I have found out that the fallen nature of man is bad enough. If you don't get the devil involved. But if you get the devil involved in something, it's even worse. Can you say amen? An example of that would be Judas Iscariot. Does anybody remember Judas Iscariot? He was the one that betrayed Jesus. Is that right? How many remembers that? And remember, the Bible says that Judas was a thief. Is that right? Was he a thief? The Bible says he was a thief. Now, where does thievery come from? We just read it. It comes out of the what? The heart. Right? But something interesting happened that a lot of people, you've probably read it in the Bible, but maybe it didn't jump out at you as it should. At the Last Supper, when Jesus is is having the Last Supper with his disciples, and we already know that Judas is a a thief. The Bible had told us that. 
before we get to the Last Supper. But something interesting happened at the Last Supper. Uh, you know, John was, was there next to Jesus and Jesus said, one of you will betray me. How many remembers that? And Peter motions to John, you know, ask, ask Jesus, who, who, which one of us is it, is it going to be? Who's the betrayer? And uh, John asked Jesus and Jesus said, it's the one that when I dip the bread in here into the, in, in, you know, I dip the bread, whoever I give it to, that's the one that's going to betray me. Of course, he dips the bread and who does he hand it to? He hands it to Judas. But then an interesting thing happens in John thirteen twenty seven. That you need to look at. Because you see fallen man is bad enough. But when you get the devil going on top of it. Then it, it gets far worse. Notice John thirteen twenty seven. What happened to Judas. Now after the piece of bread that you know Jesus handed him. What happened? What happened? Now I want you to look at that. What happened? Satan did what? Entered him. And he went out and he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And really what he was doing, what Judas was doing there once Satan entered him, is he became an accessory to murder, didn't he? Essentially. Is that right? I'm quite convinced, I can't prove it, but I'm quite convinced the man that did that, you know, shooting in Las Vegas last week, if you've listened to the news, he studied that out for a long time. Where did that murder come from? It came out of the heart. Now, I understand about mental illness, and I wish that, you know, we had a better way to treat mental illness here in the United States and all of that. Certainly, I understand that. But where did Jesus say that murder comes from? It comes out of the... Heart. Now, I'm convinced that that man, I mean, he'd studied it out, he'd planned it out. That murder came out of his heart. Now, I'm convinced the devil got involved with it. How many of you agree that the devil had to be involved somewhere or another there? Is that right? Is that right? It's very sad, isn't it? Now, something else you need to realize is that... The devil, now if you, if you attend here, we don't run with the devil, we run with Jesus. Alright, say amen. But you know the devil is out there, demons are out there and they rear their ugly heads and we need to understand some things about how they operate. The Bible says if we're ignorant of, of the devil's devices, he can take advantage of us, is what the Bible says. So we need to realize that the devil doesn't only go after sinners... But he also targets Christians. Notice if you would, and this is very interesting, in Acts the fifth chapter, in the first verse, there was a couple, a man and a woman in that early church named Ananias and Sapphira. Have you ever heard of them? Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, these were church members. These were people that were members of the church. It was a fairly large church. Peter knew these people by name and uh, they had gone out and they'd sold their property and they were very hypocritical, no doubt about that. They, they came and they put on a show as though they were giving all of the price of the property when they weren't. 
They were trying to be seen of men as being big givers when they really weren't. And it's all bad. Um, somebody asked me one time, you know, do you really think Ananias and Sapphira were saved? Well, they were a member of the church where Peter and John were essentially the pastors. They heard the gospel message. How many unsaved people do you know that's going to go out and sell their property and bring a, a large portion of the money and give it to the church? Do you know any sinners that's going to do that? You know what I mean? I, I believe these people were saved. How many of you know saved people can be goofed up too? Is that right? Yes or no? But I want you to notice something here with Ananias and Sapphira in chapter 5 verse 1. A certain man named Ananias with, his, with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession... And kept back part of the proceeds. And that's not good. His wife also being aware of it. And brought a certain part. Laid it at the apostles feet. But here's what I want you to get. And Peter said Ananias. Now now I want you to get this. Because the devil not only messes with sinners. But he messes with Christians. Church people too. You need to be aware of that. Peter said Ananias. Why has Satan filled your heart? To lie. Do you see that? How many, how many sees that? Here you got church people. You got Ananias and his wife Sapphira. They go, they're going to, they're, they go to church. And we see Satan fooling with them. Filling his heart to lie. Well if Satan will fool with Ananias and Sapphira. How many of you know he will come after you and me also? We need to be aware of that. And he'll try to put things in our heart. How many of you know we don't have to yield to him, do we? Somebody asked me one time, would a Christian ever yield to Satan? Anytime a Christian gossips, guess who they're yielding to? Hmm? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? He was under no pressure to bring any of the, of the money to the church. But what the problem was here was that he was lying about it. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? See, but who was behind it? It was the devil was behind it. Do you see that? You've not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. He fell down dead right there in the church. The, the, the very serious message, what we're talking about here today. And great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And about three hours later, his wife came in and she lied as well. And she fell down dead too. We really need to guard our hearts, don't we? We need to guard our hearts. Because Satan will come and try to mess with your heart. Put things in there for you to do that you shouldn't be doing. That can hurt you. Notice in Matthew 13 and verse 18 what Jesus said. Matthew 13 and 18. He said, therefore hear the parable of the sower. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, you ought to underline that word understand. Because it really doesn't, doesn't mean in the original language what it means here in English. How many of you, you've ever heard the word of God and you didn't understand it? 
Anybody beside me? That word understand in the original Greek language, it means, it doesn't really mean to, to not comprehend it. What it really is meaning is this, is if you hear the word of God and you don't pay attention to it, you don't give it your full attention, you don't make any effort to understand it. I wonder if there's any Christians that's ever come to church, they open their Bible while the pastor was reading and then... You know, he taught and they shut the Bible and didn't think about it anymore until next Sunday. I wonder, is there, nobody's in here has ever done that. I used to do that. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I didn't really take any time to study the Bible. I didn't really take any time to, you know, the pastor would preach something and I was kind of just watching my, have you ever watched, looked at your clock out of the corner of your eye, just hoping the guy would get done so we could go eat? I mean, you know, I mean, I used to do that when I was but younger, but I didn't realize that when you have that kind of an attitude toward the Word of God, guess what happens? If you hear the Word of God and you don't give it full attention, you don't give it your full attention, you don't, you don't, you don't concentrate on it, you don't make any effort, like... If you hear it, you don't understand it. I, I've heard a lot of the Bible that I don't understand, but I don't stop there. I continue to study and I try to understand it. Real I'd say this, say try to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to. You know, you, you go and you get some study books. or you, you understand what I'm saying? But if you don't do that, if you just listen to the guy preach and that's the beginning and the end of it, guess what happens? If that's the case, look what happens. Then, the wicked one, who's the wicked one? The devil, Satan. He comes and snatches away what was sown in your what? In your heart. Can the devil steal things out of your heart? Yes, he can. But, if when you hear the word of God, if you make an effort to study it, pay heed to it, count it as important, then guess what? The devil cannot come and steal the word. Isn't that wonderful? So, since the devil is a thief and he can come and steal, we need to understand some things about guarding our hearts. And I just told you one thing right there. When you hear the word of God, even if you don't understand it at the time, don't stop there. Continue on. Spend time during the week. Get some study materials. Get some, some concordances or some dictionaries or, or some commentaries or something. And do everything you can to understand what Jesus is saying in the Bible. Can you say amen to that? And if you'll do that, then you shut down the devil completely. Then he can't steal the word. But you see, that's guarding your heart. Real loud say guarding your heart. That's guarding your heart. I want you to guard your heart. I'm, I guard my heart. I don't want the devil to be able to steal the word from you. But if you don't guard your heart, the devil would come right in. And the Bible says he comes immediately to steal the word. Did you understand that? So important. Notice in Proverbs 4.23, it'll be on the screen. It's, this is in the NIV. I usually use the New King James. But here it says this. Proverbs 4.23, New International Version. Above all else. Wow, that's pretty important, isn't it? Above all else, what are we supposed to do? 
Guard your heart. For out of it is this wellspring of life. Why do we need to guard our hearts? Because if we don't, the devil can come in and steal. So how do I guard my heart? How do I do it? Well, I just told you one thing about paying attention to the Word of God. Also, I like what Jesus said, and we could turn to the Scriptures, but for the sake of time, I'll just just quote it here. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. And you know, I think that's more important today than any time that's ever existed in the nation because there's so many things to more now to distract us than ever before. Is that right? We need to be very watchful what we're listening to. We be we need to be very watchful what we're looking at. We need to take heed what we hear and we need to take heed how we hear. You know, I tell you what, I have found a cell phone to be a great blessing. Haven't you? It's a great blessing. But it's also probably right now the number one source of distraction. I wish I had a dollar for every time I see somebody driving their car and guess what? They're on this, they're on the cell phone. And what people don't realize is that when you are on your cell phone while you're driving, it's in some ways worse than driving drunk. Did you hear me? It's so it distracts you and you don't realize it, but it does. But we need to take heed what we hear. We need to take heed how we hear. When we hear the word of God, we need to take heed. We need to really give attention to it. I'm going to show you an example from Scripture. The importance of this. And I've learned this over the last Many, many, many years in preaching. It's interesting. I can preach a message to, you know, however many people. And it seems like different people get different things out of the exact same message. And, and, and I understand that. I, I, I understand that. But you need to realize that the same sun, I'm talking about the sun in the sky, Listen to this. The same sun that melts wax also hardens clay. Do you get what I just said? Now let me give you an example. Go to Acts 2 verse 37. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preaches to this congregation of unsaved people. And he preaches a pretty blunt, a pretty blunt message. And in Acts 2.37... And you can read the message that he preached. I won't take the time with that. You could read that sometime. But in Acts 2.37, it says, When they heard this, they were what? They were, they were what? They were cut to the heart. And notice what happens. Peter said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, here's what they said to men and brethren, said, What shall we do? In other words, this crowd, when they heard Peter's preaching, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They wanted to repent. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. See that that word melted their hearts. 
But if you flip over to Acts 7, Stephen was preaching and he preached pretty much the same message that Peter preached. I think Stephen had a lot more detail in his message, but the theme of it was the same thing. And when he got done preaching, Acts 7.54, when they heard these things, they were what? They were what? Cut to the... Now back in Acts 2, they were cut to the heart also. Remember, the same sun that melts wax will also what? Harden clay. Right? And so back in Acts 2, they hear a message and their heart is melted and they want to repent. But here in Acts 7, they hear essentially the same kind of message. This is a different group of people now, but they're, they're sinners. They hear the same message. They too are cut to the heart. But notice what this group does. They what? They gnash at Stephen with their teeth. And what do they do? They kill him. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you hear the word of God, you need to take heed. You need to hear the word of God with a good and a right heart. We're talking about issues of the heart today. We're talking about guarding our heart because Satan wants to come in and steal out of our heart. We need to realize that when we hear the word of God, that if we don't pay attention to it, if we're just putting up with it and just hoping the preacher gets done so we can go on our way, the the devil's going to steal from you. If you don't set yourself to hear the word of God, you can hear, 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 you, you can hear a message preached. And while the person next to you is listening to it with a good and a right heart and their heart's being melted and God's doing things in their heart, you, you could possibly sit there and, and have your heart hardened listening to the exact same message. Do you hear what I just said? I know I heard preachers say this before I became a preacher. And he said, you wouldn't believe how big of a difference a crowd makes on what a preacher can actually minister when he's preaching. And I didn't realize that, how true that was until I became a preacher. Did you know that the crowd that you're preaching to makes all the difference in the world as to how far you can go with the Holy Ghost? Did you ever notice Jesus when he was preaching? There were times where he'd have to pull people aside from the crowd to get them healed. Do you remember that? Because there was so much doubt and unbelief in the crowd. The same sun that melts wax, it hardens clay. You need to realize that about the word of God. When you listen to it, if it, 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 when you listen to it, you need to sit there and, and you're good people. I'm not putting you down. You're good people. I'm just, but I'm just showing you how your heart is and how the devil operates. When you hear the word of God, always hang on every word. You understand? Because if you don't, that word of God that's meant to bless you, it can actually harden you. If you don't keep your heart right, keep your heart soft. The one group listening to Peter preach, they were cut to the heart and they repented. The other group listening to Stephen preach basically the same message. They're cut to the heart and they get mad and kill the man. How do we guard our heart? We pay attention to the word. We take heed what we hear. We take heed how we hear. 
What you think upon is so important. Listen to this. We can maybe, I didn't give this to the projectionist, but maybe she can throw it up there. Proverbs 23, 7. I think it'd be good for you to look at this. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he, a person, thinks where? In his heart, so is he. Is it important what we're thinking on? You're going to become what you're thinking about. Is that right? It's important that you take heed what you hear. It's, it, you take heed how you hear. Um, I'll just throw this in. it help you as much as anything. When you sit down to watch a movie. Uh, actually, you, you know, in this hour in which we live, you really ought to research a movie before you sit down and watch it. Find out how much cussing they're doing in there. Is that right? One person said one time, well, I don't cuss, but I, but I go to movies where there's cussing in it. And I said, well, so you don't cuss yourself, but you pay somebody else to do your cussing for you. Well, that was, that's sobering message, isn't it? You'd be surprised, dear friends, how many Christians watch R-rated movies. You'd be surprised how many Christians have left this church over the years because I've warned them not to do so. I don't mean privately, I mean just publicly like I'm doing here. How many of you know Christians should not be watching movies that take the name of the Lord in vain? Come on now. Christians ought to be watching movies that take the name of the Lord in vain. They shouldn't be watching movies that have four-letter words in them. Come on, dear friends. You want to know why this society is the way it is? I'm drilling down on it right now. Come on now. Come on now. Christian oughtn't to be sitting in a movie theater or in their house watching things on television that's got all kinds of cuss words in it and all kinds of sexual innuendo in it. Come on now. How many of you know Christians oughtn't to be going to concerts where they're singing about sex, drugs, and and getting high and all that. Is that right? Come on now. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. As a man thinks in his heart, what? So, it's important what you're thinking on. That man that did that shooting in Las Vegas, I already told you, but it it bears repetition. How many of you know he was thinking about that for weeks and weeks before he did it? I mean, the, the, the law people have already said that. He had notes in his room uh, on, 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 on numbers of how the trajectory of the bullets were going to go. Isn't that hideous and horrible? It's important what we treasure, what we value, what we esteem... 
Look at Luke 12:34. I, I didn't give this to the projectionist, but I just feel impressed. We ought to take a moment and look it up. For where your treasure is, there your what? So your heart follows your treasure, not the other way around. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're talking about guarding our heart. How do we guard it? We take heed what we hear. We take heed what we see. What does it mean, take heed? We pay attention to what we're hearing, what we're seeing. We don't let evil things come in front of our eyes. If they do, we look away. Say amen, somebody. If we're sitting down and they start cussing on, on, on a television, what do we do? We turn it off or turn to another channel. Is that right? Come on now. Be careful what you think on. Where you put your treasure. Listen to this. A guarded heart. We're talking about a guarded heart. A guarded heart produces good heart conditions. I studied the Bible through and I found some good heart conditions. Just listen to these. There's probably others, but these are the ones I found. If you guard your heart, you'll have a good heart condition. Do you know, it's the same things in the natural. You know that if you eat right and exercise, you can have a good heart. A physical heart pump. Is that right? But if you don't eat right, you don't exercise, how many of you know you can have some, some real serious heart conditions? Is that correct? Same thing is true spiritually. If you'll have a good spiritual diet, stay in the Word of God and esteem the Word of God, you can produce some good heart conditions. Listen to this. A pure heart. I'd like to have a pure heart. How about you? That's required for an intimate relationship with God. The Bible talks about a contrite heart or a repentant heart, which is precious in the sight of God. An established heart, an understanding heart, a wise heart, a humble heart. Did you know a humble heart goes before honor, doesn't it? A courageous heart, a perceptive heart, a willing heart, a sincere heart, a merry heart, which does good like a medicine, a believing heart, a tender heart or a soft heart. How many wants to have a tender and a soft heart? I do. Singleness of heart. Very important. These are all good heart conditions. But if we don't guard our hearts, we don't pay attention to the word of God. We don't pay heed to what we see and what we hear. We don't pay heed to what we think upon. We don't treasure and value and esteem the word of God. Then we can have some bad heart conditions. If you don't guard your heart, you can get these bad heart conditions. Now listen to some of these bad heart conditions. A cluttered heart. A cluttered heart. That's the opposite of having a single heart. A cluttered heart. You know a lot of Christians have cluttered hearts? What do you mean a cluttered heart? Jesus talked about the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things. Did you know that the desires of other things can get in there and clutter your heart? I've watched it happen for over better than 30, 35 years now with Christians. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, they get in and clutter. Well, if your heart's cluttered, what do you do to your garden? If it gets weeds, you go out and do what? Pull up the weeds? Well, if your heart's cluttered, you can get it uncluttered. There's probably some things in your heart and in mine that we need to weed out of there. Can you say Amen. 
Did you know that if you're having problems seeking the Lord, if you're having problems studying the Word of God, it's probably because you have a cluttered heart? Did you know that in the Old Testament, again and again, before they would seek the Lord, before they would study the Bible, the Bible says they prepared their heart to do so? If you're having trouble studying the Word of God, have you ever sat down and you begin to study and then it seems like there's just a thousand things go through that you need to take care of? Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? Or you go to pray and, you, and then all of a sudden there's like a thousand things you need to take care of all of a sudden. That's, that's a, what is that? That's a cluttered heart. I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying that we've all probably dealt with that. But what do you do, need to do? You need to do some weeding. Real loud say weeding. Just need to do some weeding. Here's another heart condition that's not, not real good is a hardened heart. A hardened heart. Did you know sin and disobedience over time can harden your heart and make it callous? Something that I've learned is that did you know that dealing with people can harden your heart? <laughs> okay, that sister, she understands what I'm talking about. If you deal with people any length of time, uh, you can wind up with a hard heart. Have you ever heard of hardening of the arteries in the natural? Well, I guess it's similar in the spirit realm. <laughs> Let me just give you a little tip with dealing with people. Don't equate the way people act with the way that God is. I've watched people over the years, they'll look at, I can't believe that Christian acted like that. And it'll cause their heart to become hardened. But you need to realize, just because a Christian acted badly doesn't mean God is bad. You okay? An inconsistent heart. I've watched this over the many years. If you want to get anywhere with God, you're going to have to have consistency about you. Consistency. Consistency. I don't say this to boast myself, but how long have we been preaching here in, in this church? How long? 23 years? And I've got perfect attendance. I've never missed. I've never missed a, a service. Other than when we've been on vacation, I've never missed a service. I've never missed an assigned time that I had to preach in a pulpit, even before we were in this church. Realize, say, consistency. If you want God to consistently bless you, you need to be consistent with Him. I keep hearing the Spirit of God saying this. Set your life up around God. Don't ask God to set His life up around you. Do you hear me? Too many Christians ask, ask God to set His schedule up around them. No, you set your schedule up around God. Did you hear me? There's a hasty heart. There's a proud heart. You know what goes before a fall? Pride. There's a presumptive or foolish heart, which can be mistaken for faith, and that can be costly. Here's one, an offended heart. An offended heart. Did you know if you have an offended heart, it can cause you to step out of the place God wants you to be? I've watched that again and again and again over the years. There's a fearful heart, a discouraged heart. That's a bad one. They're all, none of these are good. Iniquity. You, you know the Bible says, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear me when I pray. There's a doubting heart. There's a hypocritical heart. 
Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, and here's one. Oh, you need to listen to this. I've been guilty of this. Thank God. Isn't it good we can repent? This next one here. Half-heartedness. Has any, have you ever done anything half-heartedly? You've got to watch this one. You've got to watch all these, but you really got to watch this one. The Bible said we'll love the Lord our God with... With what? See, you know that one. With what? With... See, God, whatever you do for God, He wants you to do it with what? All your heart. And there's a reason for that. Let me just briefly tell you. There's a man in the Old Testament named Amaziah. He was a king of Judah. And did you know that man did a lot of right things? But he didn't do it with his whole heart. And did you know when he got up in years, as he got older, that man that once bowed down to Almighty God, we find him bowing down to idols. Isn't that something? That's why it's important that whatever you do for God, you do it with all your what? Here's another, another one along those same lines. Solomon. Does anybody know who Solomon was, King Solomon? Other than Jesus, he was the wisest man that ever lived. And God warned him about not having, many, about not having a bunch of wives. He had a bunch of wives. He shouldn't have had them. Did you know that multiple wives is not the will of God? Did you know God intends one man for one woman? Did you know that? Is that the way we see it in the Garden of Eden? People ask me sometimes, how come they got to have many wives in the Old Testament? It was never the will of God. Never the will of God. I find having one wife keeps me busy. And I mean that in a good way. But did you know what all those wives did to Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, that built, other than Jesus, that built that great temple? Did you know what happened? Do you know we got to be careful who we hang around? I said, we need to be careful who we hang around. If you want to guard your heart, you need to watch who you're hanging around. Did you hear what I just said? I said, you got to watch who you're hanging around. Because the devil can use people to invade your heart. And I've watched the devil use people to pull other people right out of the will of God. And Solomon, the Bible says, as he grew older, his wives turned his heart. And this man that built that great temple for God, and the power of God came in it, and they was so strong in there they couldn't even stand up. This same man that built that temple... He allowed his wives to turn his heart after other gods. And the Bible said it was because his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. We've really got to watch our hearts, don't we? We need to watch our hearts. Two more openings and then we'll, we'll close. Go to Acts 8 real quick. Do you get anything out of this today? It's... It's, uh, I think it's a timely message. Real quickly here, just a few more things and we'll close. Look at Acts 8.13. It talks about this evil saucer. His name was Simon. And he got saved. Look at Acts 8.13. Then Simon himself also believed and he was baptized. 
And he continued with Philip, you know, that was the evangelist, and Simon was amazed and all of that. So, so I, I had you read verse 13 to show you that he got saved. He really did believe and got saved. And then he saw Peter and John laying hands on people, and they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and all of that, and it's wonderful. But then in verse 20, we see that Simon wanted the same power that the apostles had to lay hands on people and see them get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so look, he offered them money. He said to Peter and John, give me money so that whoever I lay hands on, they can be filled with the Holy Spirit too. Notice what Peter says in verse 20. This has to do with heart here. He says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your what? Your what? Your your what? Your heart is not right in the sight of God. I want to ask each of you today, how is your heart in the sight of God? This man was saved, clearly, verse 13, but yet his heart was what? Not right in the sight of God. Maybe you're here today and your heart is right in the sight of God. That's wonderful. But if it isn't, then what do you do? Well, look at verse 22. There's hope. What does Peter tell him in verse 22? He says, what's that first word? Repent. Isn't it good that we can repent? One of the greatest things you or I could ever have is a repentant heart. It's precious in the sight of God. This man missed it. His heart wasn't right. But yet here the man of God tells him. He didn't say, oh, it's over, it's too late, your heart's wrong, and, you know, you're going to hell. No, 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 no. He said, what did he say to him? He said, what? What did he say? He said, repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray that, God, that if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. He said, I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound with iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you've spoken may come upon me. Looks like he had a pretty good response, didn't he? So if your heart's not right here today, you can repent. If there's some weeds in your heart, spiritual weeds, you can pull them up. That's good to know, isn't it? And then, and then the Lord wanted, I was going to close the sermon right there, but the Lord wanted me to put this last verse in because of the danger of the society that we live in now here in the United States. 1 Timothy 4.16, you need to hang on this. <clears throat> You need to know, I'm giving you now, I'm closing here with a, a part of the vision of this church. A part of the vision of this pulpit, of this church, of this ministry, this church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you need to know where I'm coming from here as I close here. You need to know this. Because you're, it, this has to do with your life. It has to do with my life. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul, the elder apostle, tells this young pastor, he says to him, Take heed. Did we talk a while ago about taking heed what we see and what we hear? He said, Take heed to yourself and to the what? Real loud say doctrine. Now, if you don't know what doctrine is, let me tell you. It's teaching of the... It's a teaching of the Bible, teaching of the Word, the B-I-B-L-E. This church has always been about teaching the Bible. I have resisted the temptation to stand up here and entertain you. 
And that pressure has been very difficult to resist over the many years because we live in a society of entertainment. And the devil has tempted me on numerous occasions to turn this place into an entertainment center. And we say, no. Do you hear me? We're not here to entertain you. I respect your time, but I'm not trying to get you out so you can beat the church up the street to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. You hear me? We're going to stay till the Holy Ghost is finished. That doesn't mean we have to stay here till noon. That doesn't mean that. But if the Holy Ghost wants us to, we will. And if you have a problem with that, then you're opening your heart for the devil to come. And I mean, don't wouldn't you want if the Holy Ghost wanted us here till noon, twelve thirty? Wouldn't you want to stay if the Holy Ghost really wanted that? Now, if I'm just up here preaching to be going on because I'm wanting to be up here and the Holy Ghost has quit, then no, you, we ought to. Well, I'll, I'll leave, right? But if the Holy Ghost wants us to stay, we ought to stay here. Is that right? I can't tell you how many times over the years that I've been very sensitive to that because I've watched preachers over the years that they've quit. Or, I'm sorry, the Holy Ghost quit. You know, he was done and they kept going. That's not good. I said, that's not good. But I can't tell you how many times over the years. Now, I'm not talking about occasionally somebody's got a meeting and they got to go. I'm not talking about that. There's always exceptions. But I can't tell you how many times right in the middle of the Holy Ghost was moving, healing people, touching people, filling them and all kinds of wonderful things. And you got people looking at their watches and running out the door because they can't miss the kickoff of the Rams. God help us. Remember, a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. And, and the lamb will never leave you nor forsake you, but you see that the ram did. Are you okay? Am I right on that? That was good, wasn't it? When I said that years ago, the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, tell him... Because I watched this city in an uproar over the Rams going to the Super Bowl. And you know, God's not against sports teams. Did you know that? We're not against that. We're not, well, I like watching the Super Bowl. I enjoy it. Now, I don't like some of them commercials in the middle. Some of them are cute, but you know, some of them are vulgar and you gotta turn it off. Is that right? But I made the statement back when the Rams were running to the Super Bowl. The Holy Ghost told me to say it. He said, tell them that a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. Because I saw the church was more excited about the Rams run to the Super Bowl than they were over the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. There's something wrong there, dear friends. And we wonder why the nation is in the shape that it's in. How many of you know we ought to be more excited about Jesus than the Cardinals or the Rams put together? Is that right? Can you say amen? One of the reasons the nation is in the mess it's in, you get men more excited about fantasy football than they do the teaching of the Word of God. Am I right? You know I am. God's not against having fun. He's just, you just need to prioritize properly. So I've resisted the temptation to entertain. I've resisted, I've done the best I could. He said, take heed to yourself and to the teaching of the word of God. That's what doctrine means. And then what does he say? Continue in them. Now why? Why? For in doing this, you will what? Save both yourself and those who 
hear you. It's talking about me and you. Why is it so important that we stay in the holy word of God? Because it will save you and it will save me. And that word save doesn't just mean saving from hell. It means that first and foremost. But it also means being saved from sickness and disease. That's a good one right there. Praise God. Amen. How many of you know we believe in good hospitals, good doctors, good medicines, and we believe in all of that? But what are you going to do when the doctor tells you you got six months to live? There's nothing we can do. Then you're going to need the uh, B-I-B-L-E. Is that right? Can you say amen? <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need a bunch of storytelling, joke-telling in that hour. You need the B-I-B-L-E. Is that right? And that word save means to keep you from poverty. And it also means this, to keep you from danger and destruction. You really need that in the United States of America in this hour. Can you say amen? So I'm going to stick with teaching the word of God. You need to come and hear it and act on it. And we'll do that. We'll save myself and you from hell and a whole bunch of other things. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never received Him as your, as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that before you leave here today. There's some men and women up here, very wonderful people. Wonderful people. All you have to do is walk up here when we're done and say, hey, you know, introduce me to Jesus. I, I don't know him. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. I don't know where I'm going, if I'm going to heaven, hell. I don't know. Well, if you don't know, you need to know. If you don't know, you're probably going to the wrong spot. And so walk up here and just say, hey, introduce me to Jesus and they'll pray with you. And it, faster than you can snap your finger or blink your eye, Jesus will come into your heart. You'll miss hell. He'll make heaven, and He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Amen? If you need healing in your body, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you, what, what, you, maybe you just need to talk to somebody. That's what these people are up here for. So come up and take advantage of what God has for you. Praise God. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to judge yourself right before we leave. Examine your heart. Just between you and the Lord. Examine your heart. Is there anything in there that shouldn't ought to be? Has the devil slipped some things in on you like he slipped in on Ananias? Is there anything in there that shouldn't ought to be there? Like Simon, his heart was not right in the sight of God. Is there anything in there that shouldn't be there? If there is, you can repent. You can, you can change it. You can weed out whatever doesn't need to be in there. Make an adjustment in your life. I've seen so many people over the years, they didn't need to make a big, great, massive change. Some of them did, but most of them just needed a little, they needed a little adjustment here. Just a little tweak there. A little tweak in the attitude here. A little, you know, a little tweak there. Makes all the difference in the world. So judge yourself. Examine yourself. And if there's something there that doesn't need to be, just weed it out. Weed it out. Stop thinking that way. Stop talking that way. Stop looking at that thing. Stop listening to that thing. Maybe you need to separate yourself from somebody who's been hindering you. 
So whatever that is. Dear friends, I plead with you, I beg you, guard your heart. The Bible said above all else, guard your heart. For out of it is a wellspring of life. Father God, I pray for these wonderful people that are here today. I pray for them that you'll lead them, guide them. Help them as they weed their hearts. And sir, I ask that you would empower me to keep preaching the word of God. I pray that you would empower me to preach messages that penetrate the hearts of men and women and boys and girls for the good. And if there be anything in me that should not ought to be there, I pray like David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. May there be a right spirit within me to teach your word of to teach your word, sir, accurately, in boldness and power. That in so doing that will save my, not only myself, but those that hear me. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. All the praise. And I again pray for the people that no weapon, people that are under our authority, we declare no weapon formed against them will prosper. And I charge their angels with the word of God to keep them safe lest they even dash their foot against a stone. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people that agreed with that real loud said, Amen. Amen. Love on a cute few people and you're dismissed.